for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. I'm speaking on giving today, so we're carrying on our, our sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. So we're calling it Living the Kingdom, and uh, today we're looking at money. Um, we're looking at money, and uh, so we're going to be looking at something that Jesus says in his Sermon on the Mount. Um, and money is a taboo subject. Um, and I'll tell you why it's a taboo subject, because I know, because I've been in your position long enough as well, to know that as church members, we don't like listening to somebody tell us about money, because we know that at some point they're going to ask us to give some of it away, right? So that's the first thing. We don't like it from that point of view. And secondly, leaders and pastors don't like to talk about it, because we're worried about causing you offence or scaring you away, yeah? So there's the two sides to it. And I'm being genuinely honest about that. Um, and also, I think this comes out of a culture where we see so many examples in the worldwide church of churches misusing the money they get given as well. And so it's no wonder we maybe feel a little bit like that. Take, for example, that you see in the opulence of some uh, of America's leading prosperity preachers. Um, so just let me just, just pop this, this story up for you. I'm not going to go into it in great detail, but these, this was on the BBC News website a couple of weeks ago, and you just go, oh, God. You know, so these people are given absolutely everything because they had been taught that if they give everything, they're going to get back more. So they were giving out of a motivation that, oh, if I keep giving money, I'm going to get more money back, I'm going to get more money back, I'm going to get more money back. And they were seeing that as a way of solving their financial problems. But actually, the, 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 the teaching behind it is not right. Um, and so, you know, stories like that, they don't really do us as Christians that many favours in some ways. Um, and they, they play into a narrative that what we give is squandered. What we give is squandered. So why, why should I give anything if, if you, the worldwide church, or you, you know, spend money on X, Y, or Z, why should I give anything? But if you read the Gospels, if you read them, you'll find that money is a key topic for Jesus. Jesus talks about this almost more than he talks about anything else. It is like one of the key things um, that he talks about. 16 of his 38 parables were concerned with how to handle your money or possessions. 16 of them. In the Gospels, one in 10 verses, so it's 288 in all, one in 10 verses deal directly with the subject of money. Like It's everywhere throughout the Bible. So money is a taboo subject, but money is also a key subject. It's something we must talk about together. You see, it's a discipleship issue, as I'm going to go into in a minute. It's about how you can be a disciple of Jesus. So if I'm a pastor, if that's what my role is, and if I'm your friend as well, and I know the Bible, then I need to talk to you about this. Because if I don't talk to you about this, I'm not actually serving Jesus in the role that he's given me, right? I need to talk to you about this because it's an important issue for you in following Jesus. I want to encourage you to follow Jesus with all that you have. And that means your possessions and your money, as well as everything else. So let's just read the verses together, and I'll get into some of it. Okay, Matthew 6, verses 19 to 24. It says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, this is the key verse, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve, you cannot do it, Jesus is saying, you cannot serve both God and wealth at the same time. You see, 
What you do with your money, Jesus says, reveals your heart. What you do with your money reveals your heart. You want to know what you care about, all you need to do is go online and look at your, what you spent in the last month. That will show you something about what you, where your heart's at. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. That's what Jesus said. How you spe- save, spend or squander your money reveals something about your heart. What you do with your money reveals something about your spiritual life as well. It reveals something about your spiritual life. It reveals something about whether or not you're following God. You want to know what you care about. You just need to look at that bank balance. You just need to just check it out. So what we do with our money is actually a really good spiritual thermometer for us. You know, actually, how am I doing in my relationship with God? I would say one of the key things that you should look at is your bank balance and look at how you've spent the money over the last month. What, where, where is it? What, is it? What, what are you doing with it? Um, and we're going to go into that in a little bit more detail later on, but I just want to st- sort of stop for a second and talk a little bit about where all this comes from. Well, look, the, the main thing I would say about all this is gener- it's about generosity. It's not just about money. This is about a heart attitude, about giving and about generosity. You know, you were bought by God. We've, we've spoken about this this morning. Jesus paid the price for us that we might know God. You were bought by God. He paid, a, he made a payment. And the payment was the cost of his own son's life. Jesus died on the cross as a payment for your sin and your shame. Um, and you didn't earn that salvation, but God earned it for you. And it wasn't you, it was grace that did it. And I say this a lot because we need to keep reminding ourselves of this. It's by grace that you've been saved. You're not saved by good works. You're not saved by the amount of money you give. That's not what saves you. Grace is what saves you. And we accept that salvation by means of faith. It's, a, it's, it's by means of faith that we accept the, the free gift of salvation. And we choose to place our faith in the grace of God for our salvation. We approach God freely because he has paid the price for our sin and our shame. And when we start to think about that, we realise what a generous God we, we know. God has been generous. God has been so generous to us that he's given us his own son that he came to earth, that he took on the form of man so that he might die for us. That is the generosity of God for you, that he didn't leave you in your sin and your shame, but he chose to redeem you, to draw you out of the pit and to make you a son and a daughter in him. Amen? So, you you, you know, you've been called out of darkness into light and that's the generosity of God. And, And the more we get hold of that amazing generosity, the more we will start to be generous. Because the more we understand about what God's done for us, the more actually we'll be able to then just walk in that freedom, walk in that identity. You know, one of our, our vision statements is about that we want people to see, uh, be, be, be able to um, be walk f- and know their identity as God's sons and daughters. You know, you, when you know that you're a son or a daughter of the living, generous God, actually how you then use your money, how you use your time, how you use the things that God's giving you will be different. See, God gives us uh, generously and we're called to be generous. Um, Larry Burkett writes this, giving should be an outward material expression of a deep spiritual commitment, an indication of a willing and obedient heart. Now, I'd like to add something to this as well. You see, giving is not only an expression of an obedient heart, but I think it's an outward expression of a generous heart. It's an outward expression of a generous heart. Grace, Matt Chandler says, is the foundation of our generosity. So the foundation that we build our generosity on is grace, but I think there's something else that underpins all of that as well. And that's this idea that what we have isn't really ours anyway. So what you think that you own, the world that you think that you own, the house that you think you own, the, the car, the job, the, 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 all the stuff that you own, it's not really yours. Not really yours. Everything you have is a gift from God. 
Your body, your family, your house, your food, all of it, it's a gift from God. And it's entrusted to you. It's loaned to you. And I think that's the difference. It's loaned to you. It's not yours. God's given it to you to use or to misuse. You see, he's given it to us to cultivate, to enjoy. And, 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 and there's a key word in this. You see, he's given it to us to steward. He's given us to, to steward. We're called to steward what God's given us. That means to look after it, to tend to it. Um, we, we're called to look after it. And how we steward is a response to the grace and generosity that we've received. Our stewardship is an act of obedience and worship to God. So how we steward our money should demonstrate how obedient we're being and how we worship God. And what we do with our money, as I've said, is a discipleship issue, but it's also a stewardship issue. Now, every now and again, I did this last week, and I was hoping that she would prove my point, but she actually didn't do it last week. She shared with me. But um, every now and again, I treat Edie. So I pick Edie up two days a week after school, and every now and again, I take and we go and do pick and mix. So we go and get some pick and mix. And um, I say, right, you choose what you want. And she goes and gets a bit of everything. And she pops it all in a bag. Um, and then we're walking home. And I look at them and I'm like, oh, they look really good. You know when you like, you see somebody else's sweets and you're like... Um, and sometimes I'll choose a pick and mix and pop it in as well when she's not looking because there's something I want. And I say to her, you know, can I have one of your pick and mix sweets? No, Dad. You can't have one of my pick and mix sweets. They're my pick and mix sweets. They're mine. I want all of them. They're almost all gone anyway, Dad. You can't have any of my sweets. They're mine. And she'll just be not wanting a dinner when she gets home and I get in trouble with Claire. Um, you know, it's so easy at those moments for me to go to her, well, look, I'm bigger than you, so just give me the sweets. And do you know what, actually? I paid for those sweets. They're my sweets, actually. They're not yours. I'll just take them off of you and I'll eat them myself. But I, I don't do that because I love her. And I quite like watching this little kind of thing play out. And I, I quite like watching her and seeing what she's going to do each time I do it. And the last couple of times, she started to share with me, right? Um, you see, but I don't, I don't just grab and take. I just happily watch on as she kind of consumes everything. Now, I think we can be like that. We can be like Edie with our money. We can all be like that. We can consume without any thought of the giver. We can consume without any thought of the giver. We don't consider the gift that we've been given. We don't think, oh, wow, this is amazing. I just want to share this out with people. We just set about consuming everything. And God, who could if he wanted to, let's be honest, he could just step in and take everything away. He doesn't. He just watches on patiently and expects us to start to learn about how to steward our money. If you're a Christian, you belong to Jesus. Paul writes this, do, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Glorify God in your body. That means what you do and how you use your time, your money, your talents, everything about it, you do it for the glory of God. You belong to Jesus. Your time, your talents, and your treasures all belong to Jesus. He wants you to use everything that he's given you wisely. And that's not just money, that's everything. You see, if you don't give them over to him, if you don't start actually going, do you know what, Jesus, these are yours, they will end up ruling over you. Okay. So if you don't actually say, do you know what, I'm just going to submit this to my Lord Jesus, what will happen is, is that stuff, your time, your talents, your treasure, will start ruling over you. They will start taking authority over you. You don't have to go far in the Bible to see that God expects us to steward what he's given us because it's a, an act of worship. You know, let me just give you a couple of examples. When God created man, he entrusted them to care for his garden. In Genesis 2, you read that. 
when God gave the Israelites the promised land, he expected them to steward it. He said he was going to give, it, give the land to them, but then he asked them to deal with it in a certain way. And when you read Deuteronomy, what you'll find is that actually when God talks to the Israelites about the land of, of, uh, the land of Canaan, that actually it's like he's giving it to them, but it's still his. Like, you, you can do what you want with it, but within these sort of set of circumstances, you need to leave a field to fallow one year in seven. You need to do X, Y, and Z. Because actually God was saying, look, I'm, I'm giving you this land, but I still, I'm still the owner. You're just, the, you're just the, the tenants, effectively. We find the principle of stewardship throughout the Bible. And that concept of stewardship places God at the centre of our lives, puts him first, and recognises that everything we have is a gift from God. You see, God wants you to use your time, your talents, and your treasures wisely and for his glory. That's what he wants to do. So let me just talk through these three things, time, talents, and treasures. Let me just talk about time, because I, I think this is not just about giving as in money, but it's about other things as well. Your time. Do you serve God with your time? Do you serve God with it? Do you spend time with God? Do you spend time with your family? How do you steward that time that you've been given? Are you always working? Are you always working? Are you, would you be defined as a workaholic? You know, can you, can you, can you put your, your phone down when you're at home and not check your work emails? Can you put your laptop down and spend time with your family or your, your spouse? You know, are you a workaholic? Um, you know, God t- encourages you to take a rest. He does. You know, God rested and he encourages us to rest as well. You know, the Sabbath, right? We don't talk about that a lot, but the Sabbath is... It's God's way of encouraging us to rest. And now, we find our Sabbath in Jesus because he is the perfect Sabbath. He is rest for our soul. But at the same time, it's good to rest. It's good to take time out and just stop. Because actually, otherwise, what happens is, is your, your work or everything you do becomes a God that you serve, becomes something that you start to work for rather than actually stewarding what you've been given. So how do you steward your time? Do you rest? Because resting glorifies God. It recognises all of a sudden that you don't need to be in control of everything, that you're worshipping the one who is in control and therefore you can rest. So do you rest? So secondly, your your talents. Do you steward your talents that God's given you? Do you steward your talents? There are going to be some things that you are really good at. There's going to be some things that you're better at than anybody else in this room. There'll be things that you are gift. God has given you gifts in your heart and in your soul. You know it. But are you stewarding them well? Are Are you cultivating them? Are you growing in the gifts that God's given you? Things that you can do that others find difficult, you find easy. Maybe it's being hospitable or welcoming. Maybe you know you've got a gift of hospitality, but you never invite anybody round because you're worried about, you know, whether or not it will go well or not. But you know that you've got this gift of hospitality. Or maybe you're really good at being friendly. Or maybe you can sing or play an instrument and you could serve God, you know, on a Sunday morning here. Or maybe you're really good with children. Maybe God's given you a gift of understanding his word and being able to teach it to other people. Are you stewarding your talents that God's given you? Are you stewarding them? You know, in your workplace, maybe God's given you a gift of leadership. Are you stewarding it? Are you growing in that gift? Maybe God's given you a, a, a spiritual gift. Are you using it in your, in your day-to-day life? Do you hide away your talents or do you use and grow them? You know, when Jesus talks about the parable of the talents, he talks about the, 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 the one who hides the, the talent, the, the, the coin in the ground. You know, do you hide your talents away or do you, do you use them? Do you cultivate them? How we steward our talents is really important. And Paul talks uh, about the church being like a body with each element playing its part. And so I'm just talking about it in, in our context as gateway. But do you, do you do stuff that contributes to the life and health of the overall body? Or do you just come on a Sunday morning to be served? 
Or do you come to actually take part and, and take an active part in what we do? Do you steward what God's given you wisely? It's just an encouragement to you. And lastly, treasure, and I'll go into a bit more detail on this because it's obviously the, the nature of the rest of my talk. So treasure, so our money. In this room, I recognise, and I'm going to just say this up front, I recognise there's going to be a variety of financial situations this morning because we come from a variety of backgrounds, okay? So there are going to be people in this room who are really blessed financially, and there are going to be people in this room who are, who are struggling financially, and I recognise that. You know, we're, some of us have a lot, some of us have a little, but no matter what you've got, God's calling you to steward what you've got wisely, okay? So perhaps you're in debt today, and you're totally stuck, or perhaps you have so much money, you just don't know what to do with it. Um, we're all called to steward our money. So here are some questions for you, just to think about. How do you look after your money? You know, what do you do or not do with it? At, at, at payday, is it gone in 60 seconds, yeah? <laughs> I mean, I know that sometimes in my life, it can be a little bit like that. You go, yes, I got paid, and then you open your bank balance the next day because you've got direct debits, and it all goes out, and you go, oh, I've got no money. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I've been through that. Um, let me just give you a couple of practical things on that quickly, though. I find it really helpful to plan our finances. Do you do that as an individual? Do you plan your... This is about stewardship. Do you, do you plan your money? So if you're on a, like, you know, so if you're on a salaried wage, I know some of this won't be applicable to some of you because you're on an hourly wage and maybe it works differently, but you should be able to work out roughly how much you get paid a month. So if you're on a salaried wage, do you, do you plan your finances out over a course of time? So I, I have a, a spreadsheet running that runs six months into the future, that helps me know how much money I'm going to be spending each month, how much money Claire's getting, how much money I'm getting, so that I can plan out. We can't afford to do that that month. We can't afford to do that that month. We can afford to do this on that month. We can afford to uh, do X, Y, or Z. So we know, going into the future, how much money we have. So I, we use a spreadsheet to do that, because technology's great, isn't it? But one of the first things I do is I work out what I can afford to give. So when... We get paid. When I start looking at that process, I go, what can I afford to give? It's the first thing that comes into my heart and my, my mind. And we work on this principle. You might have heard it before. So I work on an 80-10-10 principle. So we, we live off of 80% of what we get given a month, what we, what we get paid. We try to save 10% of what we get paid a month. And we give around 10% of what we get paid a month. Um, giving 10% and living off of 80%. Um, and trying to save 10% is a good, it's just a good, a good way of kind of starting to balance your finances out. Because what it means is you're thinking about, I'm going to steward what God's given me um, by saving some of it, because it's important to save money, because you don't know what might happen tomorrow. Your car might break down, your washing machine might break, and also you want to be looking about how you look after your children going into the future if you've got kids. So you need to steward your money in that way, but also, actually, it enables you to start working out where you can give, what you can give. Um, look, I'll be honest with you, over the last year, I've had to adjust that level in my life. Because as most of you know, I've worked a day for the church, I've worked two days a week as a teacher, and I've been doing a master's degree. Like, I, I've had to adjust that. And I've, I'm, I won't talk figures, but I've taken a huge, like, it was a step of faith this year for us as a family, but we've taken a huge step of faith in terms of our finances. We, we just trusted God for it. Um, and, and, you know, and, and my, my salary went like that. And so we've had to adjust our levels in order to make life work and in order to make the, the faith step we felt God calling us to work. But now as life has been adjusted, we're now re, realigning, re, re kind of reworking out where we fit within it all and we're trying to work out how we move forward with it and we can go, oh, we can give more again now. So why give? Why should you give? 
Well, look, as you give to God, what you're doing is you're acknowledging his lordship on your life. He, you're saying, God, you're Lord. Rather than the money, you're my Lord. In, in our verses in Matthew, Jesus personifies money. In fact, some translations here refer to money and wealth in this context as mammon. It's like a god. It's like a god. You can't serve both god and mammon. That's how it's translated elsewhere. As if money has a name, as if wealth has a name. And what Jesus says here is you can't be a follower of God and a follower of mammon. It's either one or the other. And so often we make our lives about money. It has this power to control us and what we do and how we act. And, and money works by fear. You're scared of losing it. And as you get more, you're worried about losing it. And you're worried about losing it. Actually, as we give, that breaks that fear over us. You see, that's how false gods and idols often work. They motivate by fear. You know, the things you should and shouldn't do. And when you give, you are spiritually breaking the power of mammon over your life when you give money. The power of mammon, the, the lure for more, the lure for power and control. And you break the fear of losing the little that you have or the much that you have. You see, the devil often uses money to entice us and trap us in to make us ineffective for God. And giving breaks the power of mammon. And that's one of the blessings that comes from giving. So some, you know, some teachers are, you, are falsely teach that actually any time you give money, you'll get money back again. I think sometimes when you give money, God blesses you back again. Let me give you an example. This happened yesterday to me. We were at a Catalyst Leaders Conference yesterday. I felt God telling me to give me some money. So I put some money in the offering yesterday. Last night, we received a gift from somebody, and it was double the amount I put into the offering yesterday morning. Okay? So sometimes God gives us back, sometimes even more than what we gave in the first place. But actually, most of the time, for me, God just blesses me spiritually. God, actually, I find when I give money, it feels like the rest of my finances just seem to fall into place. It's like I'm not worried about it. I'm not fearful about it. It doesn't control me because I'm giving, and I know that God's in control. So that's the blessing that comes from giving money. It's not that you're going to get money back. God is not a slot machine. You don't put money into God to get money out of God. That's not how it works. You give because God's given to you. Um, let me just say a, a few more things. So tithing or proportional giving. So many of those who have been Christians for a long time will know what tithing is. And tithing is an Old Testament concept um, of uh, giving a tenth of what you earn to God. And it comes out of uh, uh, God's command to the Israelites in the Old Testament to give a tenth of what they made. So the, the, the fruit of their fields and the, 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 the um, money and wealth that they got in and giving it to the temple um, as an act of worship to God. So should you tithe? Well, look, tithing, as I've said, is an Old Testament principle. And interestingly, with tithing, if you add up all the tithes that the Israels had to, Israelites had to make every year, they were expected to give more frequently than you think they would. So they were expected to give their tithe more frequently than you think. So if you start adding up all the time, some put it as 12 times or 14 times over seven years, actually they're looking like they're giving more like 20% rather than 10%. So it's not, 10% is not a tithe. It's a heart attitude. It's about giving. Tithing is a really good place to start. If you haven't give, given proportionately before, 10%, as, as I said, that's, that's what we follow, is a good place to start with giving. But for some of us, I would say that tithing doesn't reflect the blessing that you've received financially. You might be able to give 90% of what you're earning to God. You might be able to go, do you know what, actually, I've been blessed so abundantly. I mean, let's, say, let's imagine for a second, Bill Gates walks in and goes, I want to become a Christian and come to Gateway, and we'd all be like, hallelujah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we'll all have a million. Um, but actually, you know, if he came in and did that, I'd be saying to Bill, Bill, look, mate, 99.9% .9 of your wealth you could give, and you'd still have more than enough that you'd ever need for the rest of your life. So 
Actually, is tithing what God's calling us to do? I don't think it is. Actually, I think God wants us to give generously and abundantly out of what we've given. See, sometimes tithing can become legalistic. You can go, well, I'm giving my tithe, so that's enough. And actually, God, I think, wants to untie some of us from that mooring and, and actually be actually able to give freely and generously um, for, to the God who's given everything to us. Yeah? So some of, for some of us, 10% isn't enough. And actually, like, because you could, give, you could easily give more if you wanted to, and you just need to have the faith to do it, encourage you in that. Um, perhaps the term, as I would use, proportional giving is more appropriate for that rather than tithing. And I think that that reflects Paul's heart um, to the Corinthians. So if you read 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, you'll see what I'm talking about. Paul talks about generosity, talks about the Macedonian church giving, generos- giving generously. And he writes this, he says, they, they voluntarily gave according to their means and even beyond their means. Okay, so he says that the Macedonians were just so generous that they gave according to what they had and even beyond according to what they had. And I'd encourage you to give according to your means. So you need to give what you have out of what you have rather than what you don't have. Um, look, I, I, I was at a, the church we were at before we were here. So it was 60% um, black and uh, African church. Um, and there were a lot of people who come to the church from backgrounds where they'd been taught about um, prosperity gospel um, and even we knew people who got themselves into huge debt by giving on credit cards because they believed that they were going to get something back from God if they gave. They were going to get something back. It was all about getting something back. It was about getting the blessing, getting the blessing. I'm going to give to get the blessing. Actually, it's about giving because God's given to us and we give generously. Don't give out of what you don't have. Give out of what God's given you already. So don't give out of what you don't have. It's trying to get something. Give out of the fact that God's already given to you. So give according to your means. So give out of what you have. We shouldn't give out of compulsion, um, but we should give out of gladness. Paul writes this to the, the Corinthians in, in chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians. Each one of you should give as what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So don't give out of compulsion, but give out of your heart what you've decided in your heart to give. Randy Alcorn says this, I've never seen a mature Christian who is not also a mature steward. Giving is part of growing. So, you know, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 8, you can read it, he says actually you need to grow in your giving um, to the Corinthians. Giving demonstrates that we trust God with all our lives. Having money can create paralysis and fear. You're scared of losing it. When we acknowledge that we are not in control, but God is, we can break the fear of money, the fear of having money by giving. Giving blesses you. Giving blesses you. Giving also, Jesus says in Matthew, benefits us. Jesus talks about storing up for ourselves treasure in heaven as we steward our money wisely. It's not about getting money now. It's about going, do you know what, actually, if I give this now, I know that I've got a future blessing awaiting me. This giving is, is not, it's not giving to get. It's not that prosperity gospel I've spoken about. It's not God is the great glo- shot, slot machine in the sky. But it's acknowledging that as we give, God blesses us as individuals. Giving empowers your giving empowers you. It frees you from the God of money. It empowers you. It frees you to serve Jesus with all your heart. It places you under God's lordship. But giving also empowers the church. If you give into God and give into the church, it empowers the church. It enables. It can enable mission. You know, we give as a church to people doing mission around the world. You know, our heart as a church isn't just to build the Riverside building. It's because we believe that God wants to bless Ashford through this church. We believe that actually God wants to extend his kingdom through us as individuals. And we believe that having a facility to do that is a good thing, right? Um, so, you know, when we give, in your giving, you're going to empower, you empower what, what God can do and will do in Ashford and beyond. Your giving empowers that process. And so for some of you here, you've got a spiritual 
gift of being able to make money. Man, I wish I was more like you. God's given you that gift. And actually, what you can do for the glory of God in your life is make money and give it away. You know, how cool would that be? You know, that you, you can do that. Now, just in, in wrapping up, I'm going to, just a, a couple of things. So can we put the little steps on the board for me? Is that all right? We could split everybody into this room into five different places. So maybe you've never given before. Maybe you've given, but you've not really ever given regularly. Maybe you've given regularly, but it's not in proportion to earnings. So like, for example, you like give like £10 a month or £15 a month, but it's less than maybe you pay for Sky Sports. Um, or you give in faith and proportion to what you earn. Or you are giving in faith and proportion to what you earn, but you're just extravagant in it. You're giving like this, this, you get this. You like, yeah, Barney, I am totally on board with what you're saying. You're giving extravagantly and generously. You're giving so that your right hand doesn't know what your left is doing. Or the other way around, I can't remember what it is. You, you, that's, that's your heart, okay? And I would say that actually we're all on a journey of giving. We can all grow in our giving, okay? Um, and my encouragement to you today is just to work out where am I at? Where am I at with my giving at the moment? and actually start to maybe think about, maybe God's calling me to take the next step. Or maybe God's just, I'm still at the same point. Do you know what? I'm probably on step four, right? But I know that God's calling me to start giving extravagantly at times. So just maybe, I'm sort of thinking I'm going to start blessing people where I can, okay? Um, as part of the, just the, the, the kind of how we respond to this, because I really need to wrap up now, but as part of how we respond to this, over the next two weeks, this is, this is the application for you. We are doing an annual giving review, okay? We're going to do this every year, once a year. Um, it's something I really believe really strongly in, an annual giving review. And this annual giving review is about you taking some time to review your finances. Because maybe, because I know quite a lot of people who live like this, you don't ever really look at what money's going in or out. My encouragement to you is to go and sit down, look at what you're getting every month, look at what you're, 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 you're paying out for different things, and think, can I make some adjustments? Maybe you find that actually... As you do that, you're, you've got a direct debit running that you shouldn't be paying for anymore. Maybe you're paying for insurance that you no longer need. Go and check your finances. Encouragement to you to do that because you're, that's stewarding your finances wisely. So, I want you to. My encouragement to you is this: review over the next few weeks with your spouse if you're married. Talk about money together. It's important. Don't just do it on your own. Um, look at how much you give. Is it proportionate? Does it reflect your faith? Secondly, then pray. Ask the Holy Spirit, because we believe this is a God-given process, to guide you in your regular giving for the next 12 months. Say, so God, right, because I said I'm going to do this once a year. So this time next year, or there or thereabouts, we'll do this again. And my encouragement to you is this, is say, God, what do you want me to give every month for the next 12 months um, in, in, to you? What's he saying to you? Is he saying, stay the same? Or it might be, for some of you, you might have lost your job. You need to be released from feeling like you have to give the same amount you gave before, okay? Give him what you have rather than what you don't have. Okay, what's he saying to you? Think about it. it. What's the faith step for you in this? And thirdly, commit. Commit to it. So update your standing order with the church, or perhaps start a standing order. It's much easier than giving cash in a bucket. Um, or, uh, you know, our bank details are available on a card. Um, or you can give, still carry on giving by cash or check every time you can if it's available to you. But at the end of the meeting today, so this is the application for you today. Um, this is the card. Please take it away. Please read it. There's a little bit at the bottom about this as well, is that, look, I'll half you, if you, you're personally struggling with money at the moment, I'm, I'm hoping this message is encouraging you, right? And it's not discouraging you, but if you're struggling with money at the moment, if you're in debt and you need somebody to talk to, we would love to talk to you about it. We'd love to help you with it. We'd love to maybe just, you know, give you some advice or pass you on somebody who can give you some advice, okay? And we don't want to see you struggling. We want to see you um, thriving in your stewardship, okay?
Let me just pray for you as, as I close down there, if we can have the band back up. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the fact that you've given us yourself. I thank you that you gave to us freely. And Holy Spirit, I thank you, Lord, that um, you encourage us to steward whatever you've given us, whether that's little or much. And Lord Jesus, I pray that over the next two weeks, as my friends, as my brothers and sisters go through the process of reviewing their giving, I pray you'd speak to them, Holy Spirit, about what they're giving. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you'd speak to them about how they spend their money, how they use their money. And Lord, I pray that out of this process, that, Lord Jesus, that we would see that, that people in this room would feel that they're walking more closely with you because they're being obedient to your word and that there's a generosity growing in their hearts, Lord God. Lord, I pray for them that you bless them in this process and that it would actually draw marriages together. Lord, it would draw people together, I pray. Amen. Amen.